Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I just tweeted from the podcast account, by the way, the new episode is recording right now. And, you know, that was like five minutes after the end of the Chicago game. The first reply is from Craig, who says, I'm sure your takes will be very rational and not extreme at all. Does Jevin, uh, does Evan finally jump out the window tonight? That would make things a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> that would solve a few problems. It would solve quite a few problems. Why would Evan drop, d- jump out the window and miss this opportunity to see Lucas Raymond receive his heart trophy this year? <laughs> Yeah, you you actually can't be jumping out the window. That's the sad part of all of this is the real truth is you can't jump out of the window just now that the rebuild is turning around. You've lived through too much. Some of the greatest martyrs do those things. <laughs> Red Wings rebuild. My time here is done. <laughs> Attributed to Steve Eisman? No, Evan Lobsinger. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't do anything. Did I? <laughs> um, we owe an apology. Every season, there is a ritual between Red Wings fans and podcast listeners and us. And it's, you know, get hyped, have fun. Yeah, all that's all well and good. We participate in that. And then people come in with some massive expectations with these huge hot takes and predictions. And it does not matter whether or not we think they could happen or will happen. It's we understand that there's a responsibility to not get people too ahead of themselves so the disappointment isn't too crushing because no, it's absolutely been, not. it's been however many years of, of disappointment so when people were coming in and who were saying you know most cider rookie of the year and we were saying hey probably not we probably should have qualified it with because lucas raymond is gonna win it <laughs> <laughs> yeah most cider is in second place in rookie scoring and he's not even the leading rookie scorer on the red wings <laughs> I I feel bad. <laughs> I feel really bad. I, we we have an interview with Prashant that we pre-recorded before the Chicago game. <laughs> and it's like we were talking about like what the Chicago game was going to be. And this was on the heels of two really bad games from the Red Wings. And we were talking about like – and the answer was yes from both of us. But like should Lucas Raymond stay up, et cetera, et cetera. You had it perfectly during today's game, Brad. Lucas Raymond should never play a game for the Grand Rapids griffins period and that makes me sad for griffins fans and those living in grand rapids but this kid is special it sounds like we're overloading the hype train but he's legitimately it's only six games but he's legitimately the front runner for the calder right now he leads all rookies in scoring by two points he just came off of you know a huge game he's playing on detroit's top line and when Bertuzzi's been able to play, that line has not been juggled this year. Um, yeah, he has everything going in his favor right now. And some of the other Calder favorites, preseason Calder favorites, have got off to very slow starts. <laughs> so this is left the door open for A, him to succeed because of who he's playing with, and B, to give a better visualization of how well he's doing because nobody's ahead of him welcome to the winged wheel podcast still learning how to cope with joy optimism and excitement six games into this season i'm ryan hannah uh i have no such problem i'm brad crisco <laughs> and i'm evan because even last episode we we prefaced by saying this is the hype train 
for a team that we're expecting to finish sixth or seventh in the division. So please keep that in the context of everything we say. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll talk about it. But the the two games previous to this is what that's the temper to all of it, right? Exactly. We're fresh off the Red Wings. I don't even know if I can say best game of the season because that is actually um optimism in of itself just by how dominant they were against Columbus, but arguably the Red Wings best game of the season, which uh Thank God that happened. Otherwise, this would have been a really bleak episode the way the previous two games went. Well, I mean, I think what this episode mostly did was took away quite a bit of time from a discussion on uh, Jeff Blashill. Oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> An episode after heaping tons of praise. I'm sure there's some some other opinions on this. Hey, but hey we said old habits die hard. Some old habits die hard. And it wasn't going to be a 180 overnight. Anyways, before we get into all that... Uh, Let's first say a quick little bit about the Jamie Daniels Foundation here. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative and was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support... Visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. So, uh, in addition, I don't know if you guys know this, but another way to support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, and and Ken came on the show, well, he's been on the show a few times, but his first big uh, episode with us, uh, he let us know that he does um, both cameos and memos for, I believe, memos, the Canadian version. Um and all the proceeds from that go to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So if you go to Ken Daniels TV uh, on Instagram, so that's Ken Daniels TV. He has a link in his bio. He has a link tree, and you can access the cameos and the memos. And I've watched them, and he does it like he gives it his all. It's not like those celebrities who are in there who's just like milk it for like fifteen seconds and say, "Hey, Evan, uh, I think you're cool, and your girlfriend Cat says to have a happy birthday." So that. And that's the end of it. Hey, like, hey, happy <laughs> birthday. It was that, well, actually, the rhyming is is an extra $50 oh, for yeah, most people. True. But not for Ken. No, Ken gives it, Ken, uh, Ken has some fun with it. So uh, that is another way you can support the Jamie Daniels Foundation. And it's also a lot of fun to get a message from Ken. So check that out. Okay. Um, let's start with the game that we just watched. The Red Wings beat Chicago, literally chased the fans out of the United Center. Um, Chicago, terrible terrible start to the year you absolutely love to see it uh yeah they set the nhl record for the longest start to a season without ever leading for a single second that is ridiculous <laughs> oh what number do you think shane wright will wear um on detroit i don't no, know chicago 23 is taken and that's probably a hot topic <laughs> well yeah no we just saw the greatest performance by number 23 in the united center of all time tonight so <laughs> You and uh, Wobot on Twitter were both lighting it up with that. <laughs> yeah, right before we started recording, uh, non-hockey Twitter got to that tweet. Yeah. So I am very curious to see my mentions when it's done. <laughs> Lucas Raymond, hat trick, plus an assist for four points. Dylan Larkin, hat trick. Tyler Bertuzzi, That's three Dylan points. Larkin, three assists. Or, sorry, Dylan Larkin, a hat trick of assists. assists. Was it people tried to make a playmaker happen for a while? It was never going to happen. Stop making It sounds happen. like some awful like EA badge yeah. that they would give in-game. I, I think it literally is an EA badge. Um, I don't even know where to start. Lucas Raymond's hat trick. Okay. So Lucas Raymond obviously came into the season with very 
we'll say light expectations. We we were already having the conversations of what he would do on the top line in Grand Rapids with Valentino Berggren, and then he had the huge preseason, and we're like, oh, that's amazing. Uh, he should probably make the Red Wings. And then he makes the Red Wings. And we're like, all right, we should probably temper our expectations because, you know, if he puts up 40 points this year, that's an unbelievable season. Well, he's already 20% of the way there and we're six games in. Uh, um, Almost 20% or whatever. I'm not doing the exact math off the top of my head. It's way too late at night to do that. But he's had a couple quiet games. But for the most part, he has been one of the best players on the team, full stop. Not one of the best young players, not one of the best rookies. Like he has been a top three to five player on this team, and nobody can even argue that. And tonight was kind of the, the the pinnacle of it. The night where everybody outside of Detroit noticed it. I saw national beat writers, national reporters in the US and Canada tweeting about it. Um, you know, big prospect guys pointing out, hey, you know, Lucas Raymond, four points, leads all rookies in scoring. Um Tonight, every star in the NHL has their coming out game. Mm -hmm. They have that game where you're like, yeah, not everybody can do that. This is the moment. This is the moment we know that guy's a player. That was tonight for Lucas Raymond. There needs to be a victory lap from quite a few people. You do get to Brad does get to raise his hand here. I'm sorry, Evan. We do have to give Brad was beating that drum early. I think we all were on the like we we were all thrilled about the Lucas Raymond pick. You were on it early. Uh, Tony was on it really early as well. Um, and this is like I'm. <laughs> this is just pure sheer excitement. It's not like f you. I told you so because people were hyped about Lucas Raymond for good reason. And I thought this coming out game wasn't going to happen for a year. Just based on the fact that the Red Wings haven't had this in so long. For context, this is the first um, four-point night from a 19-year-old or younger on the Detroit Red Wings since Steve Eisman on December 23rd, 1983. And before, Even I wasn't born then. Before that was Gordie Howe on December 17th of 1947. And before that, it was nobody. So Lucas Raymond is in some good company there. He's in a category with only Gordie Howe and Steve Eiserman. But I want to kind of divert this conversation before we circle back in a sec here because obviously we're really happy with how the game went tonight, but we saw how the last two games went. So we have to understand that at some point we're going to be getting to prospect profiles this year. Yeah. Um, this is why you always have to be super careful when judging young players in top European leagues. Because everybody pointed to Lucas Raymond's production the last two years in the SHL and went, well, that's not that great. It's good, but it's not anything special. And he's playing fourth line minutes, nine minutes a game on a stacked team. He's almost doubling his ice time and average ice time in Detroit than what he was getting at points in Forlunda. And he's taking off with it. So it's always important to keep that into context. So people can say, oh, this really came out of nowhere. No, it didn't. It absolutely did not. This is what people who have been watching Lucas Raymond for two, three years knew was going to happen. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I knew that this is what Lucas Raymond would be, but this is what I thought Lucas Raymond would be. This is why I was banging the drum for Lucas Raymond for a year and a half, almost two years before the Red Wings actually drafted him. Why do you keep looking at me? Because I'm trying to say, I want to see if you're going to react to uh, Brad's getting free time to gloat here. Yeah, but he's wearing his stretchy pants. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
these are flex genes. They're life-changing. But anyways, Oh, man. But so that's why when we get to our prospect profiles this year, understand this because this is the perfect example of why you have to understand context versus production. And the point of this, like I said, it's not an I told you so. It's a cause for legitimate excitement. Yes. We've said it before. Lucas Raymond is special. This kid is special. There's been a development of his game kind of since he was drafted where he said he wanted to work on his shot. He was he never had a bad shot. Part of why we were so excited about Lucas Raymond being picked was because he did most everything in the game at least very well. His playmaking and his hockey IQ, I thought, were the best parts of his game. Those were pushing on elite. But his shot was, you know, good and it was placed super well. And he was like, I want to get more strength behind it. Kid scored three goals tonight. And he just he made he got those pucks in. It was either a snapshot. Here was he was in the right place at the right time. It's really underappreciated how Lucas Raymond is not afraid to get into the dirty areas. Um, he had a he had the sampler pack of of goals. He had one in tight, digging out a rebound. He had one that was like a slick little fake, and Mark Andre Fleury's jock strap was up in the oh my stands. God. And then he had a ridiculous one leg down on one knee down snipe like it was it was great and his assist was a beautiful pass to dylan larkin across the middle who had the wraparound and then tyler bertuzzi uh redirected quote unquote the puck i'm I'm glad evan and ryan you guys brought that up the fact that lucas raymond impacted the game on the score sheet in four very different ways tonight because we all, we, I think we're all in agreement here when anybody asks us, what's the number one trait you look for in a hockey player? And we say hockey IQ, smarts, being able to read the play. Um, because you can have someone who's really, really good at something and they'll be very productive in that one way. Like think of Andreas Athanasiu. He was lethal off the rush, but he didn't really contribute a whole hell of a lot in, in different ways, but he was really, really good at that one thing and he can make it work. Lucas Raymond doesn't have to have that one thing. He can pick apart teams whatever way he wants whether that's a a smartly timed net front drive where he bangs in a rebound understanding how to beat a goalie in a one-on-one situation when he undressed flurry understanding how like the one timer is just a skill thing i mean i think everybody knows when you're in that position just shoot the damn puck but he does it and then you know properly timed neutral zone passes breakout passes transition passes like those are what make good players great is they can beat you in whatever way they want. And Raymond had a really, really <coughs> fantastic example of how he can do that tonight. Things I noticed. Why does Chicago have Bell Tire as their helmet sponsor? Oh, yeah. That was, I didn't like that. As growing up watching Bell Tire power plays, I'm like, this feels dirty. That is very strange. So yeah. that's, that's the curse for them. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I noticed. I'm someone, sure that's what's gone wrong for Chicago. Yes. Yeah, something someone on, on Reddit pointed out that the Hawks took a a timeout and the players took the whiteboard from the coaches and threw up their own play <laughs> yeah what is going on jeremy calton oh yeah it's also fun to think that uh, seth jones at five on five has been on for 10 goals against dude and zero goals for and his nine and a half million dollar contract doesn't kick in till next year and also it's until 2030 <laughs> <laughs> that's bad Chicago, that's bad, and it's well-deserved. Okay, we're, we're going to talk about the game in detail rather than just fawning over Raymond very quickly. Like, no, But just one more I'm thing. Not, I'm not done. Lucas Raymond <laughs> leads all NHL rookies in both points and goals. Guess who leads in assists? 
Mo Sider. Mo Sider. One and two in rookie point scoring period, Raymond and Sider, respectively. Look, this is what we talked about, the difference these kids make for the Red Wings. We just came off of two pretty terrible games over the weekend. Um, there were points in the Chicago game where you were like, Ooh, what's going to happen here, Detroit? Like They weren't rock solid the whole way through. And just like that, the they they won, like they turned the game around. And all this to say, like Larkin and Bertuzzi, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond, that line has to, it's got to be one of the most electric lines in hockey right now. Oh, yeah. it absolutely is. I don't know the under the hood numbers for that line right now, but they have, I know some of them, not in the context of the rest of the league, but they've got to be a top 10 line right now. They're, they, it's just different. I understand that they haven't always played the best teams. So they just lost to uh, Montreal and, um, was the game pumped chicago and lost to calgary yeah yeah chicago was is not very obviously a pretty bad team in the nhl right now at least to start the season um but still you didn't see this kind of conversion before you didn't see this kind of production before bertuzzi being out for all last year hurt that for sure but they also didn't have a lucas raymond to play with like look how how many of their plays have started off with lucas raymond kicking it off just either so simply and skilled that you thought yeah, this kid's been in the NHL for years or with a move where you're like, he shouldn't have been able to do that. And they haven't had a line mate who's been able to do that. Cider, solid, solid defensively, better every game. They put him with DeKaiser today. and We're going to talk about that. Um, you mentioned this before or as we were watching the game today, Brad, not enough attention is being paid to the fact that he's being used as power play QB one right now. Yeah, they switched Letty and Cider. Cider is the the guy on the power play right now. The power play, which is, dare I say, good yeah so it's it's the red wings power play is good it's being almost entirely propped up by the first power play unit i don't think the second unit has scored other than that one zadina rip but that was while cider was still on it and that top power play unit is primarily driven by larkin raymond and cider bertuzzi's causing the shit that he should and sam gagne's well he's there um, and it's still a fantastic unit. So uh, that's not nothing. We said going into the season, the most important thing to deem success on this season was Raymond Insider. That was the number one thing to deem this year a successful year or not. And hey, the Red Wings haven't played the Leafs, the Panthers, uh, Boston yet. They've had a fairly light schedule. They've done well with the light schedule, but we understand it's going to get worse. But God damn, this is exactly what we needed to see for the first six games. This is it. Larkin looks like he's back to his self. Bertuzzi has taken another step forward that we didn't, we weren't fully sure he would, mm-hmm. um, especially coming off the back surgery. So that's a huge relief to see that. Hey, yeah, he he's fine. Uh, Letty's been good. Nadelkovich was great tonight. Oh, that save. Yeah. He robbed. It was a Debrinket. Yeah. Oh, my God. Diving, batted the puck out of the yeah. air on the goal line. Didn't didn't love the way he played that Tyler Johnson goal. Whatever. He made up for it the rest of the game. I think he was banking on DeKaiser. Yeah, well, he should have. But anyways. Um, but yeah, he, he was great. So all the signs of success that we needed to see, we have seen. The Red Wings still have a problem. At several parts of the defense, they still have a problem with depth scoring, which tonight, hey, finally got some because they mostly didn't to this point. Like, mm-hmm. um, so they finally had some depth scoring tonight. And, uh, 
yeah, we know what's coming this year, and they're three, two, and one right now, so enjoy it. We are overhyping the shit out of the guys that deserve it. Um, because we understand we're probably not gonna get to do this for a good chunk of the year. So capitalize while we can. Yeah, it's it's if you're thinking this is far too much excitement coming down to earth. Trust me, Red Wings fans know this context, and Red Wings fans, it is okay to be this excited and happy about it. Because there is still the small chance it might not come down. Yeah. Like, this was the year I think we all said before the season, not just us, but like most Red Wings fans said, we expect them to be better. Now, we all assumed it would just be a little bit better. Like, baby steps. Um, If it's a bigger step than a baby step, that's still possible. Great if it happens. There's still some lineup decisions that need to be addressed to make that happen. But if it happens, good. Like, um, again, the bottom six is still a problem, but Mitchell Stevens looked fantastic tonight. Mitchell Stevens is good. I really like that pickup. We thought that might be a sneaky good pickup, and he's been great with a a more expanded role in Detroit. Yeah. um, Shockingly, I don't hate Carter Rowney. That's fine. I thought Carter Rowney was going to be the guy that I'm going to be like, Please no. This year, so far, so yeah. far, so good in the few games he's played. Um, First Red Wings goal tonight. Yep. Nemesnikov uh, beat a goalie yeah, scored tonight. On a goalie. Scored on a goalie tonight. That's always a positive sign. Um, and, you know, Adam Ernie looks fine. Like, I think people overestimated what Adam Ernie was because of that hot streak last year. But even in what a more realistic role for him, he looks fine. I still like what he's doing. Yeah, he's good. He's like even the most pessimistic of opinions can't call him a liability. Yeah. Which is good uh, for a bottom six forwards. We won't talk about Michael Rasmussen yet. We'll talk about it later when we talk about the problems. Um, but no, it's they're circling back. There is reason to believe this might not be a fluke. Now I still fully expect them to miss the playoffs. I still am not betting on it you know, continuing at the pace that it has. But yeah, right now with the way Montreal's playing and understanding Buffalo probably comes back down to earth, Detroit's very much in play for fifth in this division right now. Very much in play. So Detroit's upcoming schedule. Um, our next episode's on Thursday and they'll play Washington on Wednesday night. So that episode will recap that game. They have Washington, Florida, Toronto, um, and then... Yeah, those are the three games over the course course of our next two episodes. So we'll have a pretty good idea of how Detroit's going to stack up against better teams. But for now, well, maybe not with the way the Leafs have been playing yeah, lately. That's actually a really good point. But for now, yeah, the Red Wings take on or the Red Wings beat the Blackhawks six three. Raymond four points. The top line is buzzing. Like you said, Nemesnikov scored on a goalie. Carter Rowney scored uh, his first Red Wings goal. Um, Mitchell Stevens two assists. Mitchell Stevens two assists. Again, and this is after some pretty poor play. The Red Wings this year, there's something I brought up to Prashanth in the interview, which you'll hear in a bit here. Um, this kind of thing takes time. Success takes time. It's a, it's There's a lot of parts of, of it. Like, there's, sorry, there's a lot of components in developing parts to developing a, a sustainably successful hockey team. Yeah, you score more goals, you win the game. It's not so simple. It's really hard. It's a grind over an 82-game season. It's really hard with guys coming in and out. It's really hard with young guys, with uh, veterans who are are in a completely different situation, with your leaders not really having any playoff experience to speak for. Um, It's difficult, and it's difficult for coaches. It's hard to get those things right, and that takes time. So, yeah, like you said, Brad, I, I think you nailed it. The indicators for success are there, and 
I think this entire three-game stretch is a very beautiful microcosm of that. Garbage games that pissed you off. You're like, why are they playing so poorly? Why are things not going the way they should? Or maybe the results weren't there in one way or another. One game was worse than the other by far with the Montreal game. Um, And look how it can turn on a dime because you now have that talent. Yeah, because it was... Like, if you flick, flipped the scores in the Calgary and the Vancouver game, that would almost make more sense than how it played out. Because for 30 to 40 minutes of the Calgary game, Detroit was the better team. They did not get outplayed by the Flames. They did at, for stretches. Yeah. But it was, for the most part, a reasonably even game. I probably give the edge to Detroit in terms of what way the ice was tilted. Uh, Jacob Markson was just in one that night. Um, and that happens. You get goalied every once in a while. It's fine. Um if the Red Wings played every single game this year like they did against Calgary, that would be like, yeah, okay, yeah, they're a bad team, but whatever. It's fine. They're competitive. Uh, the Montreal game was – everything about that game was inexcusable, but hey, it happens. Um, if this was the Red Wings of the last few years, they would have got pumped by Montreal and then walked into Chicago and probably got pumped again because that's what they did. Um, so the fact that didn't happen was a positive sign because I think I even alluded to it an episode or two ago where it's like – I'm not going to be overly concerned when the Red Wings lose. It's going to be when they string together losses against bad teams. And that didn't happen, which is, again, different from the previous years. Yeah. So, you know, that Montreal game last night was, for as bad as the Red Wings have been the last few years, that might have been the worst game they've played in those few years. They were not competitive at any point, And Montreal was 0-5-0 going into that game with four goals scored. They scored more goals in that game against Detroit than they did in their previous five games. So everything about that was inexcusable. Whole point being, they bounced back, which is different for this team. I want to do this now before we we talk about some more of the the detailed stuff. Raymond or Cider for Calder, preseason said maybe not. Do you change your bet now, Evan? You go first. I just read a statistic on Reddit that said something like the past five Calder winners have gotten a hat trick in their rookie career. It certainly helps to score more goals. That's evidence. That's all I need. Yeah. Odds uh, odds down on Cider. Lucas Raymond up. <laughs> I saw some insane odds on Lucas Raymond preseason. And if anybody put money on that, you are looking nice right now. Yeah. Do I think? Obviously, Raymond's the front runner at the moment. Understanding who the Red Wings are. Understanding that through injuries and limited playing time, Lucas Raymond's going to play way more hockey this year than he's ever played in his life. So there are going to be stretches where he is going to be very tired and very quiet. That's fine. I mean, like I said, the early season favorites, Zegras, Caulfield, they're not doing a whole hell of a lot right now. The guys who are tied with Mo Sider for second rookie scoring are like Drew O'Connor in Pittsburgh, who <laughs> call me crazy, probably not sustainable. And I don't even remember who else. So Lucas Raymond, in order, top five rookie point scorer. Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, Drew O'Connor, Anton Lundell, Bowen Byram. Guess who has the lowest time on ice per game? Lucas Raymond. Drew O'Connor with 11 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Guess who has this? <laughs> that was a, <laughs> baited that was a little bit of a misdirect. <laughs> yeah, that was a baited. Guess who has the second lowest? I'm not answering it now. It's Lucas Raymond with, <laughs> with just over 15 minutes. Um, Byron plays over 18 minutes, 18 seconds a game. Lundell, 16 minutes, 18 seconds a game. And Mort Sider, six games into his NHL ga- career, is playing 21 minutes and 52 seconds a game. It's not crazy to think. It's unlikely, I understand. But it's not crazy to think that Raymond and Sider will both be finalists at this point. 
Because they don't affect each other. They play different positions. They don't they don't scavenge ice time from each other. I understand you guys are going to clip this. And at the end of the season, you're going to say this hype was so misplaced. And look how dumb you look now. But as of right now, six games in. Yeah, add it to the live the database. Yeah, the yeah. Bad takes. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, no, we, we can't. We're good at canceling each other out because our our um, befuddlement uh, on the live stream for the cider pick is offset by the excitement of the Lucas Raymond pick. So. Uh, one of them will get nominated. We don't know which one yet because yep. that's how these things work. <laughs> okay. So uh, Lucas Raymond scores a hat trick, has a beautiful assist to make it four points. Bertuzzi uh, with three point or a goal and two assists. Larkin with three assists. You mentioned Mitchell Stevens with two points. Uh, Nemesnikov had obviously uh, the goal. Nedeljkovic with the crazy save in his first Red Wings win. Anything else that we want to highlight from that game, good or bad, before we start getting into the nitty-gritty of roster decisions? A um, lot of bad, but it's all on Chicago's side and we're on Red Wings podcast. So. Yeah, that would be fun to do, but um, maybe for a different time when we don't have exciting Red Wings players. Maybe in the old Wing Wheel podcast, we would yeah. have time for that. Um, Danny DeKaiser was more at Cider's defensive partner tonight. There's a Stonecutters reference in there. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was Phil Peronik's second straight game of being healthy scratched. It's an obvious healthy scratch. It's a message being sent by the coach. That much is clear from Blashill right now. As usual, it's not even just Red Wings across the league. You're not going to have the coach talk about it publicly a lot. Danny DeKai, and, and that's one thing. And I'm sure we're going to have opinions on that. But the follow-up to it is Danny DeKaiser gets first-line minutes paired with Mo Sider, who is at this point Detroit's best defenseman. I'm going to start off by saying I don't disagree with benching players who you need to be better. Philip Peronik is too important for the Detroit Red Wings to be playing as poorly as he is. Plain and simple, full stop, end of story. Would I necessarily bench him? Probably wouldn't have been my first move, but I also don't disagree with the move overall. Like I, I agree that it's a tactic that can and should be used by coaches um, to get their players going. Philip Peronik needs to be better. My first move would have been to get him away from Danny DeKaiser to see how he does. I get it. Danny DeKaiser is not a player who you need to get going. You know what Danny DeKaiser is, and that is an anchor on this team. It's unfortunate. He's just been destroyed by injuries. The guy's had a lot of garbage luck. Um, he's a leader on this team in the room. He has an A on his jersey, but none of that changes the fact that he's an impediment on the ice in terms of success. Danny DeKaiser getting those first line minutes does not make sense. You don't have to punish him. If you don't want to punish him because there's no, you know, good outcome at the end in terms of improving a player or lighting a fire, then don't, fine. But don't give him first line minutes. Because what happened to, to Moritz Sider's numbers tonight? Uh, it was by far his worst expected goals for and against and Corsi of the season. Prashanth uh, messaged us after the second period. Um, his expected goals for percentage headed into um the game was 60.89 at five on five after two periods it was 19.35 percent after playing with DeKaiser. just to get like you don't even have to know what those numbers mean to know that that's how bad it is i don't know i get why they put the a on the jersey i don't i'm not i don't want to say it's unimportant but it's not a bad thing necessarily that it's not your best players having it i would prefer a player who's should see more ice time to have the letters but whatever if they're keeping DeKaiser around as a show of respect and loyalty, it can't last for much longer, right? 
No, because there's a lot to unpack here because I've seen a lot of arguments on Twitter on the subject of I would scratch DeKaiser, not Heronic, <laughs> because DeKaiser is playing worse. And those people are correct. I've seen a lot of other people retorting, while benching DeKaiser does nothing, he can't be better. You got to bench Heronic because he can be better. Those people are also correct. Um, it's not a one or the other. My solution here would have been to fire both of them to the press box and bring in Osterley yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, Osterley's not a terrible player. He's more than capable to fill in. That's why they signed him and brought him in. Carter Rowney on defense, if you will. Yeah. Because, yes, Heronic was bad his first few games, and a lot of people were directly blaming that on DeKaiser. And one of the problems on that pairing was they were blowing coverage in their own zone, left, right, and center. and there's a lot of things that lead to other things on the ice. So uh, without remembering each play in detail off the top of my head, I'm sure there was more than a couple where Hronik had to go in the wrong spot to cover for DeKaiser. But there was also times where I know for a fact Hronik was on for a five-on-five five goal against that DeKaiser was not on the ice for. And it was Hronik who lost the battle in front that led to the goal and that had nothing to do with DeKaiser. But even digging deeper than that, you watch the shots Hronik's taking and the passes he is making, his head's not there. It, that had, those had nothing to do with the Kaiser. When the puck is on Heronic's stick, he makes up his mind what to do with it. And way too often, he was firing it to nowhere or to the other team directly. So Heronic, I agree with Blashill, his ass needed to be in the press box. I would have put the Kaiser there too, and I would have brought in Stetcher and Osterley and just made that the bottom pair and kept Sider and Letty together and, you know, Stahl and Lindstrom because those were working. Splitting hairs here. I understand that. But yeah. They are bad for very different reasons, and Red Wings fans need to understand that. Heronic is a player who's a decent skater, great shot, was a good transition player. He has the tools to be good, and he was bad. He has the tools to make great plays, and he was his brain was deciding to make poor plays. DeKaiser, for the most part, when you watch him, attempts to make the right play, and you can see what he's trying to do. He just can't yeah he doesn't he's never had the skill that's never been his thing so his hands and his shot are not gonna bail him out of problems and his skating now is exceptionally poor and i'm assuming it's because of all the injuries but his strength on on uh, attacking four checkers and board battles is not there he's losing almost all of them so these are two players severely underperforming for entirely different reasons and the big difference in Heronic going to the press box, not DeKaiser, is because Heronics are fixable. He can get better. DeKaiser at this point can't. Now, that's more they argument. The, they'll give him a firmware upgrade. <laughs> yeah. And they just forgot to update him. It's like when you check your apps after like six months, you're like, oh, God. They forgot to buy the defensive DLC pack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the problem to what Ryan's saying is because uh, – DeKaiser's wearing an A, but he's just not an NHL player at this point. He is, at best, the eighth best defenseman in this organization right now. And there's probably a couple guys in Grand Rapids who can make a case that they're already better. If you, Not that he's ready, but if you brought up Donovan Sabrango right now and threw him in there, I'm betting he would perform better. It's just, it sucks because I like DeKaiser. And people forget, there were a bunch of years after the Red Wings signed him where DeKaiser was really good. It's not like he was a bad defenseman like Jonathan Erickson who just had like a good month. DeKaiser had several years of being a legitimately good top four defenseman in the NHL 
And now his body's just not able to keep up. And that's, it is what it is. He's not an NHL player anymore. It's an uncomfortable issue. And I'm sure it's even more uncomfortable in the room. It's, it's not sustainable, right? Like it's, and this is all being, it's only what, like the fifth game of the year, like like 77 more games to go. (laughs) It's a grind for anyone who's not suffered major injury. It's, Uncomfortable is right. And it's being amplified because DeKaiser's the only one this year. In previous years, it was, you know, multiple players like Abdulkader Nielsen. And the year before that, it was Abdulkader Nielsen and so and so and so and so. Now he's on an island. So it's unfortunately going to have a bigger laser focus. And he's important to the Red Wings organization. You can tell he's very involved. His, his dad is well liked within the hockey community as well. They do a lot of uh, good work for the, the Michigan area. And like you said, Brad, it's not like he can't, he's come in on a free ride contract and has just been, you know, a bum. Like that, that's not DeKaiser. Um, we had higher ambitions for him and it just seemed to always be derailed by, uh, by injury. Was his contract way more generous than he probably should have had? Yeah, but that's a Ken Holland thing. That's not a Danny DeKaiser thing. I think. And this is my optimism, which has been rewarded so far this year. So I'm going to continue be, to be optimistic. I think the, I think Blashill and the Red Wings are giving DeKaiser a last hurrah. He's their Shane Wright insurance. I <laughs> I think they're going to keep him there. I think they they like what he does in the room, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to keep him there for a little while longer. I just don't see them being able to hold out much longer because this is – it's bad. Yeah. I, th- I think I tweeted something to the likes of it, but, man, that Tyler Johnson goal tonight was a perfect summary of just – Tyler Johnson's like five foot eight, five foot nine. Danny Kaiser's six foot two. And it was just a battle for the puck on a partial breakaway that the defenseman should win 99 times out of 100. And Tyler Johnson. He was in the right position. He was there and he couldn't win the battle. And Tyler Johnson scored. It's just, you could tell he was there. He was trying and he just, he just couldn't. And it sucks. It's unfortunate. But. Man, does this not make you feel good as a Red Wings fan to know that that's legitimately the only anchor left on the Red Wings? The Ronick Ronick problem is the he needs to figure that out, and I'm the outlook on that is not positive in my the the other anchors at the problem uh, the other anchors at the moment um, have reasonable expectations for improvement. Yeah. You know they have tools and they have the time yeah. to get better. Do I think Heronic is as bad as he was the first four games? No. But he was an anchor. He was bad. I could say the same thing right now for Michael Rasmussen up front. He's bad. But with Heronic and Rasmussen, I have reasonable expectation for improvements. I think Michael Rasmussen's offensive output. I mean, hey. Had an assist tonight. Off a shot where he did the right thing. Just. Like, this is where the bench, the bar is for Michael Rasmussen at this point. He was gifted a freebie chance on a two on one and he made the right simple play, which was just shoot it because he's, he's had a bad habit of overthinking those things in the past, but he did the right thing. Carter Rowney banged in the rebound. All credit where credit's due. He made the right play. In the words of a famous Brad, Brad Crisco, in general on offense, chances seem to die on his stick. Yeah. I agree. His defensive impacts are good. Play him lower in the lineup. Play him in, yeah. in de- defensive situations. I'm fine with it. Like I, I, I don't. He, he's see a f- the point in. I can be disappointed in Michael Rasmussen if my ambitions for his offensive game were higher, but they're not. So I don't particularly. I'm not too concerned. He's a four at best at this point. He's a fourth line winger who can maybe help on the PK. But even on the PK, I'm questionable because he seems to lose 
every puck battle he's in, which is absolutely inexcusable for a man of his size. He's 22 years old. Like You're right. Said, he should be stronger. He's reasonable. been in the NHL for yeah. seven years. <laughs> yeah. so there's no excuse Again, anymore. This is all under the umbrella of reasonable expectation for improvement. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be that annoying, you know, bubbly rainbows shooting out my eyeballs jerk here again. Is this not great that we're talking about Michael Rasmussen only being really good on defense and not scoring enough for our liking? So he should be like third line wing, fourth line center at best right now. Like that, that is a massive step up from the Red Wings of past where we were like, this player got cut from the Swiss second league last year and now they're on our first line playing <laughs> with Larkin and Bird. Like that's. That's the difference we're looking at here with these Red Wings. Or it was the conversation where it was like, we need Michael Rasmussen to start scoring because there's nobody else. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, he's going to make a difference in the game. I will – I'll start to have passionate feelings about Michael Rasmussen if he's playing as he is right now, if and when Valeno makes his team and seems to be doing better at center or even third-line wing, and he's getting more minutes after a little while. Um, like you said, Evan, he's been here forever, so he is going to naturally play more minutes to start. He had the third most minutes tonight. He gets played a lot. He gets played a he, lot. He gets PK, and the Red Wings had a <laughs> lot of penalties tonight for him to kill. In his PK, he's good on the penalty kill. And he's, he's all right good. on the penalty kill. He's effective on the penalty kill according to the eye test and underlying numbers. I think his defensive impacts are good. He's I, huge. He, he takes up a lot of space in the defensive zone, which is useful. There's results. And his improved skating does allow him to take up more space in the defensive zone. So that is useful. His improved skating has led to nothing offensively, no, but, but it is a benefit defensively. You're right. I have a fun fact if we're done with this. Oh, yeah, sure. Segway Tyler man. Johnson and Danny DeKaiser weigh the same amount, according to the NHL.com How? website. That is not accurate. There's no way. Tyler Johnson's just got legs like Marty St. Louis, like tree trunks. Danny DeKaiser's five, six inches taller than him. Oh, at least. How much do they weigh? 185. Danny DeKaiser's not 185. There's no way. I'd never trust heights or weights on NHL.com. There that was the a first point. place. I was just eat. trying to, you know, stir some conversation and tell you something interesting. <laughs> Okay, you pick our next topic, Evan. You guide us. Have we talked about the Montreal game? Yeah. Can we not? <laughs> Would you like oh, to? I gotta level things out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. That's what that. That's it. Oh, that's it. Begin. Bad. <laughs> Discuss. Montreal game was bad. Everything was awful. Okay. Nothing. Nothing was redeeming. Okay. Uh, under- uh, they scored a power play goal. That was the one redeeming. Before getting into the interview with with Prashant here. Um, what better indicator for the difference that Tyler Bertuzzi makes in this offense than that Montreal game? That's it, right? You, you don't have to go into it yeah, much more. Yeah, than that. Mm. yeah. That's your opening Pandora's box and uh, direct did, all comments to him. Did the Red Wings lose because Tyler Bertuzzi wasn't there? No, they lost because they played like garbage. And nothing happened that game. I did point out tonight, though, that this team is noticeably different <laughs> with him in the top six. Cause Ta- man. It's the domino effect, right? Because when Bertuzzi's not there, Robbie Fabry gets moved up to the first line. Robbie Fabry is not a first-line NHL player. And then when Fabry is pulled off the second line, Adam Ernie gets moved up to the second line. And Adam Ernie is not a second-line NHL player. So now you're taking what was one of the best first lines in the NHL and making them subpar. You're taking what was an okay second line and making them even worse. And it's just the domino effect. And the Red Wings, we t- as we talked about before, with Verona's injury, do not have enough depth to lose guys out of the top six right now. And they have exactly six NHL caliber 
top six forwards right now. So losing any one of them is a problem, but losing one of them off the first line is a bigger problem. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a problem. Eight more times this year. Ah. And uh, if you ever wanted Shane Wright insurance, that's part of it. Didn't keep Danny Kaiser on the top pair and uh, those eight Canadian, those eight remaining Canadian games. I'm, it's eight more games this year um, as it stands right now. But for now, we know the fact that Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond is genuinely just an absolutely unreal first line. And all three of those players above point per game right now, and especially if you consider Larkin's output last year where everyone's like, what's happening to his production? Was that one off year of fluke? It's like, no, you stick him with players who can produce players who can play, who can convert and feed him the puck. It's a different Larkin. It's a different Bertuzzi. And it's brand new Lucas Raymond. My God. Maybe Bertuzzi just doesn't like working weekends because the Canadian, the games in Canada have been on the weekend so far. Great way to get around it. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to jump into a conversation uh, I had with Prashant Iyer, which was recorded before the Chicago game. So if things seem a little uh, relaxed and maybe even a little bit hesitant about the upcoming Chicago game, uh, you'll know that that was before all of this happened. But nevertheless, uh, a lot of good conversation with Prashant about uh, not just Red Wings hockey, but also Wings money on the board as well. So enjoy that interview now. Prashant Iyer, for the first time on the Winged Wheel podcast as a father, welcome and congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, sorry, the little guy can't make an appearance today. Uh, he is currently in nap mode, and I'm not going to disturb that. Yeah, we could not possibly afford his appearance fee. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be far too many, um, you know, uh, m- money or shows uh, items from from Rohan. I don't think he could uh, afford any no. of that if he was going to sponsor you guys. So. No. All right, folks. We're joined, of course, by Prashant Iyer. Uh, you've seen him from his work with the Athletic Detroit, Winging in Motown, uh, formerly of Wings for Breakfast with Ma- Wings for Breakfast with Max Boltman. Can't speak today. Um, and a now father. So hopefully, uh, mom and baby are doing well. Yeah, everybody's doing well, and you know, getting as much sleep as one can humanly get in the first yes. couple of weeks. So let's get right into it, Prashant, because as I understand, uh, in, a, in addition to a baby, there's a brisket waiting that I'm holding you there, up from. So there is, but it don't don't worry, it is off the grill. There is nothing that we have to worry about. Perfect. So the Detroit Red Wings are uh, now firmly started their season, and we already have a few storylines developing. We were just laughing because I was telling you I wasn't able to watch too closely in, in real time this weekend because of a wedding, and. Uh, this was probably their worst stretch of game so far. We're, we're recording before the Chicago game tonight. So what's your take on how the Wings season has evolved? I mean, you know, even though we're recording ahead of the Chicago game, if the Chicago games go anything like the Chicago games did last year, um, we can safely say that this is a terrible stretch of hockey games. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. You know, you saw the first couple of games where they came out really nicely against Tampa. They really held their own. They pushed the, the, the cup champs, uh, you know, to overtime in that game and probably should have won that game, blew three different three-goal leads, but at times looked really dangerous. And, you know, then they come back and they play a really solid game against Columbus. They play a solid game against Vancouver. Um, and then the wheels sort of fall off the last couple of games here and, and we'll see what happens in Chicago. But I think you're seeing steps forward from this team, but you're also seeing a lot of those bad habits still being present from last year. And, and really the ability to sustain that consistent, 
you know, elite level play that they showed in the first couple of games is what separates the the good teams from the teams that are still contending to get there. I have a theory, and it's not a genuinely unique one, but even when teams become good, so so far or insofar as they have good players, it takes them a while to to develop that chemistry, their systems in a way that's sustainable. And like you mentioned, where they can protect leads and get out in the lead and not crumble once they fall behind. From your perspective, how much credence would you lend to that? And and do you think there's a little bit of that going on right now with Detroit? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great point. Like we think back to the veteran laden teams that the Wings had in, in sort of the earlier part of, of this millennium where, you know, it would seem like things weren't going well and they knew they could fall back on their, their experience. They could fall back on their chemistry and they knew that they could write the ship. They could do what they needed to do to come back. I mean, you know, we think back to the 0-2 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs first round. The Wings lose the first two games to Vancouver and Eisman gets on the plane and says, we're not going to lose another game. And, and and then they go on and they win four straight and they go on like that. Like that's that kind of experience that those really sort of veteran laden teams that have been there, done that have that this wings team doesn't. I mean, your leader of this team is, is Dylan Larkin and, and he's 25 years old and he's not really been a part of those teams and, and, and doesn't have that experience. And so there's not really a lot to fall back on. Like, yes, they brought in guys who have gone on deep playoff runs like Nick Letty and Mark Stahl. You know, Thomas Grice has been on a, on a deep playoff run. Alex Nadelkovich, obviously, last season. Um, but, but no one's really, you know, there to be that major, major presence where I think the Wings can fall back on it. And, and when they hit tough stretches, it's sort of hard to, to write the ship. And, 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 you know, I'll give you a great example. If you look back at the 07, 08 team that was so dominant, uh, wins the Stanley cup that year, a lot of people forget they had a one, eight and two stretch in March of that season. Um, but you're never worried about that team. That was a team that was always going to come back and figure it out. And I think that's really the difference. So I do think, you know, there's some, some credence to your theory there that this is a team that's simply still finding out ways to win and finding out how to sort of sustain that success. All right, let's get the two easiest topics out of the way here. Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider and the starts to their professional careers in Detroit. I think there's more of a question here about Lucas Raymond and if there's a decision to be made still. I'm not sure that that actually applies anymore, but what do you make of their starts and and uh, your thoughts about them going forward? I mean, not only have they had great starts, you could argue that Lucas Raymond's probably been the second best forward for the Wings behind you know Tyler Bertuzzi. He's right there with Dylan Larkin. That entire top line has been tremendous. And then Moritz Sider's probably been Detroit's best defenseman. So, you know, I don't really think there's a decision to be made here. It's really, yes, they're probably going to be with the team the entire season. And, and now it's, can they really legitimately contend for the Calder? I mean, you know, historically defensemen um, have to put up a lot of points in order to be able to contend for the Calder. And Moritz Sider's well on his way there with four points already. You know, Lucas Raymond's basically reinvigorated the Red Wings power play and now all of a sudden makes it look competent with all of the passes breaking down the the, the opposition's penalty kill. And so he's been a tremendous add. So I, there's really no decision in my opinion here. I think um, you know, the question of burning their entry-level contracts, it, it needs to happen there. Um, and, and honestly, you may be able to get them to a point where you can negotiate sooner, like we've seen, uh, you know, teams do recently, like Vancouver with Quinn Hughes and, uh, you know, Colorado with Kill McCarr and being able to get sort of those deals in place earlier um, may end up helping you save uh, some money down the road. So to me, there's no question. I think you got to you got to keep them both up and because they're 
arguably some of Detroit's five best players. So on the thread of good players, we have uh, we have quite a few conversations about the way the season's unfolding. May you, uh, Max and Brad, and I'm sure the ghost of Evans is in there somewhere. Um, there have been a, a few players that have come up where we've almost said they've been surprisingly or sorry, quietly good. Who strikes you uh, as the most impressive so far that you think maybe is not getting uh, enough attention from Red Wings fans? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned it prior to uh, the Montreal game or during the Montreal game, of course, obviously before the wheels fell off. But I think a guy that's been quietly surprising is Gustav Lindstrom. Um, you know, me personally, I've never been particularly high on his game. I never thought um, he was a guy that would really stick in the NHL. He sort of struggled um, going back and forth between the Osvenskin and the SHL and, and was having trouble sort of sticking. But I think this season... Um, it's obviously early. We've only seen a handful of games now, but he's playing with a lot more poise, a lot more patience. He's taking his time to make plays. Um, I don't know if he's been helped out, um, you know, defensively by being able to play, uh, with Mark Stahl a little bit. Uh, and if that's helped him a lot with Stahl being sort of a veteran presence, uh, there for him. But, but, you know, besides that, I think he's a guy that I think has been the most, noticeably improved for me and a guy that I think warrants a little bit more attention uh, as the season continues. Now, on the flip side of things, we have a situation where before the season, we said if it's going to be Hironic to to Kaiser, that might be some trouble. Start of the season, very obviously, both of those players struggling massively. And we are now heading into the second straight game of one of them being healthy scratched. And it's not Danny to Kaiser, it's it's Philip Hironic. So there's layers to this because, you know, Ronick's not been good, but do you think that is the right call considering DeKaiser is his partner? What's the message being sent here? How do you go from the most minutes to no minutes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of a crazy situation, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy who led the Red Wings in minutes last year, was top 15 in the league in, in minutes played per game last year, and was averaging about 24 minutes a night prior to being scratched these past two games. And so, you know, it's a very interesting swing of the pendulum. I think if you look at Blaschel's track record, historically, he's always come down tougher on his younger players. He he holds them to higher expectations. We've seen this happen with scratches of Andreas Athanasiu, scratches of Anthony Mantha all the way through last season. Anthony Mantha was getting scratched. We saw him uh, take Dylan Larkin and, and Anthony Mantha off the power play last season as to sort of send a message when this was a power play that was struggling mightily. And so, that's sort of been Blaschel's method of getting through to the younger guys and sort of showing them that he's holding them to a higher standard. I mean, let, let's be clear here. If you're asking me who's been a bigger issue between DeKaiser and Hironic, I think it, Danny DeKaiser is, is clearly on his last legs here. I think, you know, he, he's sort of struggled to bounce back from this injury. He, he doesn't seem to be skating the same way. It, it feels a little bit reminiscent of, you know, Jonathan Erickson coming back from the hip injury where, you know, he looked good previously, and then all of a sudden the mobility is not there, and, and now you're seeing a lot of issues manifest. I think it's clear that DeKaiser has been the bigger problem, but if you're looking at it through the lens of what Blaschel thinks, who's the guy that I can actually motivate to do better, you're more likely to get more out of Philip Hironic, a guy who should arguably be your most talented defenseman, than you are by scratching Danny DeKaiser. That doesn't really send any sort of message, and you're not going to get any sort of better play. From my opinion... I personally would have scratched Danny DeKaiser because at the end of the day, if you are a hockey team and you want to win games, and uh, I think you should put your best lineup in there. Jordan Osterley is a guy who probably deserves to draw in 
here at some point, but I, I can see why Blaschel made the decision to scratch Philip Peronic of that pairing based on sort of his track record. Now, you know, moving down the lineup, uh, a player who has a key focus on him is Philip Zadina. And for better or worse, there's a somehow even more keen focus because Detroit fans are looking at, you know, Lucas Raymond coming in and shining right away and Warren Sider coming in and shining right away. And there's a little bit of impatience being put forward. What is your overall analysis on whether this is a make or break season for Philip Zadina, his progress so far as a prospect, and uh, whether or not it's being clouded by judgment of, you know, Quinn Hughes or, or other players around him? Yeah, I mean, inevitably, he always comes back to that Quinn Hughes conversation. And, you know, then there's the Brady Kachucks and there's the, you know, Jesperi Kakaniemi and, and all of those sort of pieces there um, that, that always make this conversation very interesting with Zadina. But I think at the end of the day, we sort of have to remember this guy's 21 years old, um, you know, really hitting his third full season, but also his first season where he's squarely in the top six. His first season where he's squarely playing with guys that can make him better, um, you know, playing with Pew Suter and, and, and playing with Robbie Fabry, playing, uh, you know, heavy power play minutes. Uh, I think this is really the first opportunity he's been given to really succeed with very talented line mates compared to, you know, playing with the Franz Nielsen's the Adam Ernie's and, and, you know, so on and so forth in the past, uh, you know, having Sam Gagne be a centerman as good as Gagne is, he's not the offensive player that can really unlock the most out of Philip Zadina. And so I think you sort of have to be patient. I think he's looked a lot better at five on five. I think he's starting to develop some chemistry with Pew Suter. Um, you're seeing some sort of nifty plays being made there, even in this Montreal loss that was abysmal. I thought Zadina generated a number of great chances, both at five on five and on the power play. Um, so I think patience is the most important thing. You have to remember he entered the league younger than most Red Wings prospects do. He's still only 21. He's still growing. And this is really his first time where he's been given that bigger role and now has a lot of expectations on him. All right, before we wrap up here, let's get to the um, the real fun part of all this. So we were obviously game planning all offseason as to uh, ways we can support the Jamie Daniels Foundation uh, uh, through various initiatives. And we wanted something that was maybe a little bit more season long and active throughout the year. So uh, what we came up with, of course, was wings money on the board. So uh, let's chat with the listeners a little bit about uh, what that initiative is and uh, and what they can do to to kind of have fun watching the Red Wings and donate to a great cro- great cause. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you guys put together a tremendous website to, to host all of this. And, you know, obviously, like you said, you and I have been talking about this all summer. So basically, money on the board is simply that. You, you come up with a pledge, whether it's on a specific statistic you'd like to see, a specific output from a player. So, you know, number of goals that Lucas Raymond scores this season or number of hits that Moritz Sider throws this season or number of saves that Alex Ndelkovich makes this season. And you simply assign a dollar value to that pledge. I want to pledge 10 cents for every Moritz Sider hit. I want to pledge $1 for every Lucas Raymond goal. I want to pledge, you know, a, a quarter for every save Alex Ndelkovich makes. And at the end of the year, we tally all of that up. 
and and we reach back out to you with, hey, this is the final amount. And, and at the end of the year, you make that pledge uh, and you make the donation to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. And there's a lot of cool prizes and things that I think you've been working out, Ryan, uh, to, to sort of incentivize and make this a fun um you know, an interactive opportunity for people to really give back at a time of need. I mean, I think focusing in on the mission of the Jamie Daniels Foundation, uh, you know, making sure that we uh, help those suffering from substance use disorder, make sure they have access to the proper resources they're not taking advantage of. They know, you know, sort of where they can turn to because in this COVID-19 pandemic, that's only been increasing um, you know, exponentially in the number of sort of opioid related, um, hospitalizations and, and, and things of that nature, um, emergence of counterfeit medications and such. Um, you know, it's, it, it's becoming a, an even bigger problem than it already was. And that's why now more than ever, uh, making sure we get money to the Jamie Daniels Foundation so they can do what they do best is going to be really key. And so this is kind of a neat opportunity for everyone to participate similar to last year with the power play donation, where I think we were able to pull together, you know, more than $15,000. I'd like to see us do better than that this year. Yeah, definitely. So that's Wings Money on the Board. Uh, you can find all the details that Prashanth just told you about and more if you go to wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog. There's also going to be all over Twitter, put in the uh, the description of this episode. You'll see the post for it. Um, in addition to what Prashanth mentioned, we're also going to be doing one-off games for additional prizes and things like that. So the first one of those will be coming very soon. Uh, we've been chatting with Ken and we're going to get some uh, fun prizes out there for everyone. So uh, hashtag wings MOTB. Be sure to use that on Twitter uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be in touch with you if you sign up for pledges uh, as to what to do next. But for now, Prashanth, thank you so much uh, for jumping on the show. I'm sure we're going to be doing it again soon um, and all the best to you, mom and the baby and the brisket. Thanks, thank you. And that was our conversation with Prashant Thayer. So I'm very happy that we talked about things that were more overarching, lest uh, him and I both <laughs> not look silly, but it's it's a it's a big juxtaposition between uh, pregame and postgame. But no, genuinely, I always appreciate Prashant coming on. Congratulations to him again on becoming a father. I love the picture of him. It was very reminiscent of you when you had Mika and uh, Hank of watching the game with the baby in hand. Yeah, Um he he's now aware that's the lucky position and now he has to watch every game like that with his son. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to talk about very, very quickly here. When Verona comes back, this team, if they're doing what they're doing now and injuries haven't, you know, ruined one thing or another, this team is going to do some damage across more than just that top line. Oh. I don't know where he's going to fit in. It's, with Zadina. Remember the chemistry they had to finish last year? So... Okay, let's say it's Zadina Verona with Suter in the middle. Or maybe Fabry, depending on it how they're playing. I don't care which one it's not. So either Suter or Fabry on the third line. Maybe Valeno's up by then. Honestly, conspiracy theory. Um, Verona's going to be right back around the trade deadline, and Fabry's on an expiring contract. Oh. This it, may sort itself out. Yeah, the Red Wings have a glut of wingers, right? We've known this for yeah. a long time. Um, glut, relatively speaking. They're not winning the cup, but still. This team is going to do, has the potential to do some damage. So, anyways, Lucas Raymond for Calder, Moritz Sider also for Calder, hell, Alex Nedeljkovic for Calder, Evan, you for Calder. Red Wings were the first team to win the Calder Trophy. Did you know that? Sorry, Sig. Name them. 
Carl Voss. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for having that on deck. In 1932. Laptop Evan is uh, is an evolution on this show that I never thought we'd see. My brain is on in the computer. I don't actually use it inside my body. <laughs> the he's, files he's, are in the computer. He's, yes. He's um. Oh my! He's Lucy. Lucy. I hope someone got that. For the three people who got that joke, listening, that was a top quality joke i do not get it have you seen the movie uh it's stars scarlett johansson oh i definitely did not see that and it's the whole premise is she unlocks more than 10 percent of her brain i've not i know the movie you're talking about i've not seen it spoilers ahead one of the dumbest goddamn movies i've ever seen so no that that wasn't a spoiler (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the end of the movie when she achieves a hundred percent she literally and this is going to sound like a figure speech, so I have to use the word literally, literally here, turns into a USB stick. Okay, we're going to jump into <laughs> overtime. <laughs> That's too much on a Sunday night. <laughs> I don't know how, but that was offensive. Uh, <laughs> overtime on this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast is uh, <laughs> um, brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Obviously, on games like this, the comments go insane. So, obviously, we have the Reddit thread. We have Patreon. I don't know how much we'll be able to get to today. That's just the reality of it. We're going to uh, wing it. No pun intended. Patrons um, are amazing people, and they're actually the reason the universe came together to give us both Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond. So, patreon.com slash podcast. Damn it. Um, if you want to support and also be part of that cosmic justice for Detroit. Sean Stephen Cook says, I just wanted to say that Stevens appears to give it all his all on every shift, and that deserves a lot of love. And he got that love this game. Um, Matt S., says i think he posted this oh no he edited it what a game great bounce back win by the wings especially after two rough losses the top line dominates again lucas raymond had the hattie he has flurry's number now it's four goals one in the preseason on the reigning jennings slash vesna trophy winner so much for us having any doubt that raymond would not stay up the wings at the end of the ballet's broadcast the ticker said lucas raymond becomes just the third wings teenager with four points in a game right as we mentioned earlier Side note, Bertuzzi's goal was number one uh, in the NHL goals of the week last week. Grice's save was number eight, and Ned's save tonight might be number one. Okay, Lucas Raymond, over or under, under 20 goals? What's he at right now? Uh, four. I'm going to go over. Screw it. Yeah, I think I'm taking the over. Oh, most side are over under 60 points. I'm going to go under here. Smash the under on that one. Yeah. Uh, if he gets over 60 points, like, we're all aware he's winning the Norris on top of the Calder, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the heart. CJ Sully says, oh, I like this. Bills suck. I don't know why, just the attack on Brad, but sure. They're on a bye week, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, what's the cheese bag story? Uh, one of our patrons and friends of the podcast, Joseph, uh Basically said, stay fresh cheese bags because it's a meme he found online and it's now been adopted and spread through the Dub Dub Club. Uh, ben Fincham says, uh, let's hear your best minor slash beer league hockey story. I'll see myself out. The fact that I'm still alive after my first two in a year and X months. Yeah. That's it. I'm alive somehow. I don't know. Best story? I once... Your Brad, your story has to be limited to twenty seconds. No, I my story right now is is going to be in the future. I'm just going to send you the link to the stats page for my beer league this season right now, just to watch your reaction. Your beer league has a stats page. Yeah. Oh my god, CA division they keep track of that stuff. You're lucky I like Clayton. 
Yeah. Yeah. My, my stats in the beer league right now are here. My, my stats in my actual league are like here right now. So it's yeah. a nice little offset. Um, I once, I, I once got chirped by a backup goalie on a bench and I reminded him that he was a backup goalie. It was, this isn't my favorite story. It's just one that always stands out. It's just, I had a chirp back and forth with the backup goalie and I was pretty mean with it, but he shut up for the rest of the series. Oh, I have a fun one. Uh, if we're going to just go small stories from like two weeks ago, we were playing one of those beer league teams. That's like all kids between like the ages of 18 and 20 and they take it way too seriously and they try really hard. For reference, our beer league team is mostly guys around my age. We have a few young guys and we take it the exact opposite of seriously. It was Thanksgiving Day. We had like eight players on the bench and like they were running like three lines and we were still beating them and like they were like getting chippy and mouthy and like whacking us and we're like, guys, we're not trying. Calm down. And they had a kid with a tinted visor. And someone sent him a breakaway pass and he just missed it. And I said, if you had a normal visor on, you would have been able to see that pass. And he looked at me like he wanted to say something and he had nothing. And I'm just like, that wasn't even that good of a chirp, but his reaction was satisfying. Um, Flack Shack says, with everything that's happened to Evander Kane, do you think he'll be in season two of Squid Games? (laughs) (laughs) He's a prime candidate. Oh, no. Uh, Michael Berry, do you think it's Danny DeKaiser's last year in a Wings uniform? No, because he'll be kept on in a coaching capacity. <laughs> it better be. And that's coming from someone who really loves Danny DeKaiser. Uh, Sean Chavarella says, hey, do you think Smith should get more ice time? I don't know about you, but I smile every time he's out there and cringe when I see Rass. Um, <sighs> he's No, the Smith deployment is is fair. Him and Rowney are subbing in for 13th at 13th forward, they're getting seven minutes a night when they play. That's all it needs to be. Whichever one of them looks more competent any given night, fine. Because there was a play in the Montreal game that I think summed up why Giovanni Smith can never be more than a fourth line forward is he was given a breakaway pass. And based on the way the defensemen were chasing him and the angle of everything, uh, it was essentially a three-person race for that breakaway. And Giovanni Smith comfortably finished third and he was not up against any burners uh large the prophet of the towering behemoth says uh hello suite of files any man you fans out there no well i guess you have one two three four five reasons to stay silent you'll never walk alone liverpool beat man united five nothing today which is like the red wings beating chicago six three at the united center they beat him in Manchester. Okay. Uh, Jonathan. I understand the Le- analogy. Yeah. Lakara Mackey said, uh, is pretty much on fire in the U20s, 15 games and 25 points. Blashill hasn't reinvented himself, has he? Will there be a point during the season where we play the six best defenders? Well, remember last episode I said uh, he's changed about 75% of who he is at the coach. Well, that 25% is still mainly lineup decisions and uh, deployments. So work in progress um josh brink says the edibles hit so i forgot what i was gonna say so hey (laughs) (laughs) cody stark says what's the deal with pew Suter?" yeah you know what Suter has been um quiet to put it gently for a lot of it he's not been as impressive as i would have liked to have seen to start the season and i don't think it's the end of the world but it's worth noting he has not been a liability he has not looked like a drag on his line mates but yeah, he hasn't really been dynamic in any sense, which I was kind of hoping for. Uh, Confucius says, I um, wrote this before Saturday's game. Hronik has been pretty bad. He makes the most obvious passes and sometimes dangerous ones to his teammates. He's way overrated. Zadina has not been impressive at all this season. Are we leaning towards bust? 
I have been perfectly fine with Zadina this season. It's unfortunately a lot of last season where the production's not where it should be, but he makes a lot of good plays and generates a lot of chances. And unfortunately, finishing still seems to be a bit of an issue for him um, outside of that one rocket he had on the power play. But yeah, yeah, I think, again, he's not playing with the strongest line mates for an NHL second line, but he's been good. Unfortunately, yeah, we might start looking at the realization of, yeah, okay, Zadina's not going to live up to a top 10 pick, but he still looks like a very good middle six forward. Bill Nye the Thigh Guy says, hey, Dub Dub Boys, do you think the Montreal, fan- uh, Montreal fans are coming back down to earth? Montreal fans have not been down to earth since the inception of that team. That is the kind of like the hallmark of being a Montreal fan. You are never expected to be grounded in reality for better or worse. When are we going to start the conspiracy theory? You need to be way more specific. We we all know where this upcoming draft is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Stoke for the meetup and meeting you guys. Cheers. Uh, George P. Burdell says, It seems that Brad didn't fall for my trap last week of reminding everyone Luke Lindenning is good at faceoffs. Even though we lost to Calgary in the Habs, at least uh, with Cider and Raymond getting high time on ice, we've got something else for broadcasters to talk about besides Glennie. That alone is an improvement for the team compared to last year. Uh, Mark Burnham says, down goes Brown, dropped a neat tidbit. The last time Seattle and Montreal met was the 1919 Stanley Cup final, which was suspended in a 2-2 tie prior to the deciding game due to the Spanish flu. So this Tuesday's game in Seattle could decide the 1919 Stanley Cup. How hilarious would it be if Seattle broke out the cup and skated it as if they'd won? Uh, It'd be sacrilege, but hysterical. They should raise a banner. And also, it's some kind of... I don't even know what to call it. Their last game was in 1919 that ended because of a pandemic and they're picking up in the middle of another pandemic. Like that's, that's crazy, right? I'm sure Nashville will raise a banner for this, this moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dave Fanto says, Hey, my friends and I have an ongoing bet every season in which we pick a team before the regular season and whoever goes furthest in the playoffs wins the Jersey of their team picked. Top three projected Stanley Cup winners are discouraged from picking. This season, the teams are Kraken, Rangers, Penguins, Boston, Oilers, Wild, and Panthers. What are your two early predictions for which teams will finish on top? Right now, out of that list, I am smashing Florida and Edmonton. Yeah, Florida and Edmonton just because of their paths. for Well, Edmonton because of their path forward. Edmonton's in a horrible division, and Connor McDavid is on pace for literally 200 points right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, their their horrific defense doesn't even matter because they're scoring so goddamn much. In Florida, uh, to steal Evans' term, it looks like an absolute wagon so far. So, Chad Hiersack says, is there a possible conflict of interest with the Sabres neck and spine doctor since he has, uh, is or has been in legal issues with the, cons- with the company he consulted with in developing the artificial discs, Nuvasive Inc.? Interest- I did not know that. That could actually be... A problem. He sent us a link, so why don't we t- actually take the time to read through it before? Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. Send t- send it to me before next episode. Yeah, that's got to figure itself out, man. Like you cannot have Eichel on the sidelines not playing. The- it's so bad. Yeah. Uh, Babe Landiscog says commenting before the game because my partner and I will be at the United Center. Hey, that's yeah. amazing to hear. This is their first live NHL game. Every regular season game I've been. Uh, 
I've seen the Wings vs. Hawks, the Wings won. Hopefully that doesn't jinx things. He did not jinx anything. We're a fu- the GoFundMe to send you to every Wings Hawks game is getting started. Frank the Tank says, best guess as to what uh, scandalous photo the Kaiser has in the higher ups. Uh, it's it's a veteran loyalty thing. Jeff Blashill's third period playbook says this page has l- intentionally been left blank. Um, Herp has crisp crypto. I intentionally uh, mispronounced that. Uh, I've missed two drafts this year because of the stupid night shift. My second team auto-drafted Evander Kane, so I'm kind of annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Who would be the worst person auto-draft in history? Oh. Worst auto-drafted. It has to be a player who just got immediately hurt first game or something stupid Nikita Kucherov the last two years. Yeah, rough. Because that's like an auto-draft in the first round for a dude who didn't play last year and is probably going to miss most of this season. Um, Jake Kiefer says prospect projection question. If you were Eisman and the league allowed you to extend Cider and Raymond right now, uh, contracts starting at the end of the ELC, eight years times 7.5 mil each, would you? Um, probably. I think you can get Cider cheaper than that. I don't think. Have you seen the defense market lately, Ryan? (laughs) I'm saying it's right. I'm just saying. I'd risk it by waiting just to see. Just to see. And also... Uh, Eisenman does not pay full price. So I was actually reading an article. Eisenman is Evan shopping for furniture. Yep. You only get the best furniture, but by God, you're getting 20 to 40% off. Yeah. So I was reading an article that um, kind of swayed me on something that you should almost always bridge deal out of ELC because it avoids that situation like Colorado had with Landeskog where do you want to give a guy eight years as he's becoming a UFA at 28? Because he's still probably a very important part of your team and a good player at that point and ideally you're still in your stanley cup window but you don't want to pay someone until they're 36 so you sign them out of their elc when they're 22 23 years old give them like a two-year bridge deal so now you're paying them at 25 and now you're paying them till they're 32 33 so you're literally getting all of their good years and you don't have to worry about those final four five garbage years so yeah sure you probably overpay them a bit on their second contract but You'd rather overpay a guy by a couple mil a year versus having to pay a guy $9 million when he's 37. Arjun Shanker says Ernie has started making at least one very cool move per game this season, and I'm a fan. Uh, did the Blackhawks lose.com says yes, thanks to hashtag forehand Luke, aka Luke Calderas Raymond. Luke Calderas Raymond is good. I have to give him that one. Um, Ryan Dodd says, howdy ho, Junior Rangers. Random question. Do you listen to other hockey pods such as Chicklets? And if the Wings went on a Cinderella story playoff rush, what's your imaginary predictions for the point slash goal and assist leader? Hasta luego. Uh, I don't listen to anything anymore because my commute has been destroyed. So I barely have time to listen to this to edit it. I uh, do a lot of driving. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, not too many niche ones. All the ones you would think. 32 Thoughts. Uh most of the athletic hockey show iterations that they release weekly, but not all. There's not enough time for that. They release like one a day. Um, but I like the ones with uh, Max and Corey with Mac and Doe. Um, Custance and Gentilly's is good. Uh, Puck Soup's pretty good time filler. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar, says, Long time no post. It's been a whirlwind, but I left law school, found a new job, and has been been in a healthy relationship that's going to lead to a ring next year. Oh, hell yeah. Zach, that's amazing news. All this nice stuff, and yet the fact that we still played the guys in the first pair keeps me up at night. Taking my girlfriend to her first Hawks Wings game tonight, and I want to get her jersey so we can match, but don't know who to get. Oh, 
It's got to be Raymond now. You know the answer. That is not up for debate anymore. Or one of you gets Raymond, one of you gets Cider. Joe McKenney, PGA, says, new patron here. Very happy to support you guys. Joe, welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Says, the more I listen, the more I realize Evan and I are the same person. Misanthropic, both play golf, both listen to metal. Obviously, Wings fans and generally don't give a damn about how others perceive our life decisions. Example, I want a hot, hot tub. Screw you all. Still, I hate him because, you know, the whole <laughs> misanthropy thing. Damn humans. Anyways, my question is, it's still very early in their careers, but has either Cider or Raymond reminded you of a particular wing from the past? I got a bit of a Zeke vibe from Raymond. Maybe just hopeful. Maybe misguided. You tell me. Stylistically, no, not really. Nobody jumps to mind in terms of the way they play versus, you know, what they are. Get a get a bit of Lidstrom vibes from Cider. Not that he's the same player, but just their their calm demeanor on the ice and the, that vibe that they're always in control. But it, it extends so far as that because they're still very different places. Yeah, like, yeah. In terms of like uh, the toolkit they bring to the ice. Yeah, they are not the same player, but just that the, the vibe check. Uh, Poyo says, what are your thoughts on Dylan Larkin's uh, media availability when asked about the Jamie Ben cross check? You know what? I believe Larkin when he says he just wants to move on from it. He's going to keep it restrained because he knows he's not going to get anything else from the league. Player safety is not going to give him anything. There's no point. You see the George Peros oh, interview? God. Something about if we called every cross check or boarding, we'd be too busy or what? It's something no, ridiculous. If no, they, if, they, if they did supplemental discipline for every boarding minor, and I'm like, George, they didn't call it. Yeah, that's what the most ridiculous <laughs> part of the whole thing was. <laughs> I think part of the story here is that the the Department of Player Safety is the figurehead and the whipping boy, but really the head of refereeing needs to be addressed here too. But I have no sympathy for either. <laughs> like, yeah, boo-hoo. Not about to cry for you. Yeah, remember that cross-checking crackdown? Yeah, real funny. Uh, Stevie Langerman says, uh, Hey gents, I did the dumbest thing ever. I went, I really want to go to the Kraken home opener last night and I took the risk on some Craigslist tickets. Of course it was a scam. Oh, that's terrible. Sorry to hear Stevie. Help me feel better by telling a story in which you did the dumbest thing ever and felt like a total idiot. You guys rock as always. Oh, the list is too long. I literally block them out of my mind. The next. You need to re-ask this question when it's like. 1 a.m. and I'm just laying in bed and I can't fall asleep. Yeah. That's when I remember all of them. 100%. I do a lot of dumb shit. Remember our um, our interview with um, Ricard Gronberg? Mm-hmm. I was a lazy piece of shit that morning. I was just being so lazy. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, could not get out the door on time. So, uh, I was running late and could not for that interview, obviously, where Ricard was calling in from Sweden. Uh, sped to your house because this is when we were still recording at your place got my only speeding ticket nailed for nine kilometers an hour over the speed limit here's 25 bucks <laughs> uh didn't fight it because i'm also an idiot has stayed on my record and has just boned my insurance for years it's coming off in two weeks and i cannot wait oh the the rates are fantastic i've been a 10 star driver for like oh, three years now and that rate when you hit it is life-changing um dungeon master of puppets as we've all been had boys the department of player safety made us think they're calling more penalties for cross-checking when really they're just cracking down on refs calling cross-checks <laughs> uh vax and waxed for the squid game says sometimes benching heronic is the right decision it's Sav- savoy decision making that will move this team forward i've Miro Shishenko up there with mediocrity. 
Ozzy for Hall of Fame Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. That was a, an excellent effort. That that wordplay was really coolie. I am ready for bed. I'm disappointed that it was actually good. <laughs> uh, Litstra, pardon, Lindstrom says, Seth Jones sucks so much. Also, we won the 2020 draft lottery. <laughs> uh, the NHL Department of Player Safety is a joke, and players need peewee stop signs on their jerseys, apparently. It says, Nemesnikov scored on a net with a goalie in it. Never thought I'd see it. No joy greater than hearing a Let's Go Red Wings chant in Chicago, followed by salty booze in the wake of a Raymond hat trick. Keep up the good work, boys. We haven't even pointed out the fact that Lucas Raymond is currently outscoring Alexi Lafreniere, Tim Stutzla, and Quentin Byfield, I think combined. That's food for the soul. <laughs> okay, Eric Sinkowski, Matthew Tangsred, Al Robbins, Soak It Insider 69, Nods, Brendan M, Mike Caviani, uh, Miss Days, Nick Geyer, Release the Security Footage, Evan, Michael, and <laughs> Come In, Cider. I tried to do the pause there. Uh, I I know we have comments here, a lot to do with Lucas Raymond, but uh, we have to wrap this episode up. I love when exciting episodes means everyone wants to get in on the conversation. It means it was a good game. Uh, for now, we want to thank all of you for tuning in, for joining in on the Lucas Raymond and Moritz Cider hype, the Red Wings hype, the Larkin Bertuzzi, the everyone, the Nedeljkovic hype. Um, this has been a blast, and hopefully Wednesday's game will give us more to talk about on that front. So Wednesday night game, Thursday night podcast this week. In the meantime, um, we're going to spend the next four days soaking in Evan's hot tub, I assume. I will be. You will not. What, uh, <laughs> have you, I think your our invite got lost in the messenger chat. Is it? Can you just resend it? Yeah, yeah we'll Evan, make sure that. Happens. I'm on vacation this week. I have all, that is all 100% the time in the world. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> week for it to be raining the entire time. I've that buying, does not bother me one bit. I've been buying moisture-proof uh, podcast equipment and cords so we can do the uh, hot tub stream. That'll be perfect for me. I have a <laughs> I have a waterproof tent that I can set up in your backyard. Oh, <laughs> that's why I'm not telling you my address. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name level Patreon supporters, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Kragitz, uh, Nick Perks, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, uh, and Pizza. Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Her Pez Crypto, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, I know you know what that is, uh, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, RA, Release the Security Footage, Evan. Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacy Lynn, Vaxed and Waxed for the Squid Games, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, uh, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Shit Nugget. <laughs> Trevor Pepevar, <laughs> Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. 
Take care. We'll see you Thursday. Lucas Raymond for Corbin. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.